And we're going to go to several, several passages of Scripture. And so we're going to begin in 2 Samuel chapter 9. So if you'd find your place in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, 2 Samuel, Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, give you a hint, it comes right after 1 Samuel. So if you find 1 Samuel, you're right close to it. 1, 2 Samuel chapter number 9. And when you find your spot there, if you'll just hold your place there, I want you to go to Genesis chapter number 9 as well. So Genesis 9, first book of the Bible, and then 2 Samuel 9. And then one last place, one third place, Joshua chapter number 1, if you'll turn there as well. So Genesis 9, 2 Samuel 9, and Joshua chapter number 1, three portions of Scripture. We're going to look at those three here this morning. You there? Everyone there? I want you to turn first. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter number 9. 2 Samuel chapter number 9 here today. And we find a story of David. David said in verse number 1, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was the house of Saul a servant, whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. He went through in these next few verses, he went through and had this conversation with this man. And he asked this man a simple question. He said, Is there any, anyone left from the house of Saul? Now, I want you to remember David. David was running from Saul. Saul wanted to kill David. Saul was the king of Israel, and he had sinned, and God took his hand off of Saul, his blessing off of Saul, and he sent Samuel to anoint David to become the next king. Well, David's life changed from that point forward. David was just a shepherd boy mending, uh, attending for his father's sheep, and really no one knew who David was, but now all of a sudden, because God anointed David to become king, David was placed in the forefront of everything now that was happening in Israel. There was a battle taking place with a man uh, by the name of Goliath and the Philistines against Saul in his army, the Israelites, and God allowed David to go to that battle, and David then went out and killed this giant Goliath, and they sang of David that David had killed his tens of thousands, and Saul had only killed his thousands, and Saul became very jealous of David, and Saul tried to kill David. Matter of fact, David is in a place of hiding. David is in a place uh, of no man's land. He's not welcomed in his own country. His family has to flee because he's being hunted like a dog. And David now is now sitting in a place that he's king. If someone like Saul was after you, if someone like Saul was wanting to kill you and, 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 and defaming you and, and, and spreading lies about you, when you got to be in the place that God wanted you to be, would the first thing you do is seek to bless Saul's family? Because that's what David's doing. 
David said, I want to know, is there anyone left of the family of Saul? Because I want, I want them to come sit at this king's table. Now, we might have looked for the family of Saul so that we could make sure every last one of them was dead or every one last one of them were punished for what Saul did to me. But that's not David's intent here in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. David is searching out family members of Saul so that he can place them and sit them at the table of the king. Let's go on reading here in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. I want you to see in verse number 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And look what he says here. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Look with me in verse number 10. In uh, this man, is, his name is Mephibosheth. He says to Mephibosheth in the end of verse number 10, thy master's son shall eat bread always at my table. He says in verse number 11, toward the end, as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Again, in verse number uh, 13, he says uh, uh, that he'll dwell, dwell in Jerusalem for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And so we find here several verses in this chapter. It tells us David's intent of this man. This is, this is King Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. He says, I want to take him. He's the last one left of Saul's family. I want to take him and I want him to be placed back at the king's table. And I want him to eat with me continually. Could you imagine sitting down and seeing Saul's grandson sitting at this table, knowing that his grandfather sought to do you harm, knowing that his grandfather sought to kill you? But that's what David's intent was here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want you to go with me to another story. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter number 9 as well. Hold your place there in 2 Samuel. And I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter number 9. We find a story of Noah. How many of you know who Noah is? Good, just about everybody. Noah was that crazy guy building that big ark in his backyard. And it hadn't rained yet. It hadn't, it hadn't, it hadn't uh, flooded before. And here's this guy, he's building, he's building this huge ark and everyone's looking, what is wrong with this guy? We know the story of Noah, he builds this ark, he saves his family and, and uh, then the, the ark rests and his family gets out. And we come to this place now in Noah's life, his family now is saved, they come off of the ark. And the Bible says this, that Noah, Noah in verse number 18 of chapter number nine, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah and of them as the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be a husbandman and planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken and was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Shem and Japheth and took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of the servant shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be 
his servant. We find here another passage of scripture. Now we find Noah is at a place where Noah shouldn't have been, but Noah was drunk in his tent and, and uh, uh, here one of his sons come in and the Bible says they, he saw his father's nakedness. He went out and told his two other brothers what had happened and, and some believe that maybe there was an act that was against uh, Noah here by his son. I'm not quite sure uh, uh, what my opinion would be on that, but something happened that caused his brothers to be very upset and to go cover Noah. Something happened that caused Noah to be very upset. And when Noah was woken out of this drunken state and realized what had happened to him, the Bible says, he was very angry at his son. And he said, curse be Canaan. And, and he made his son to be the servant of his other two sons. Now, I want you to think with me in this story. And this is important. One son goes in and sees his father's nakedness and the two other sons that find out about it, think of this, their father's in his tent and instead of them going in and seeing their father's nakedness and covering it, what they did is they went to the door of the tent, they took a sheet and they went in backwards and they covered their father. So they weren't able to see him and see his nakedness. They covered this. They put it backwards they went in backwards i want you to now go with me to joshua chapter number one joshua chapter number one i know what you're saying where are you going with all these stories i promise you i'm going to round first get the second round second get the third i hope i'm going to get home <laughs> joshua chapter number one now after the death of moses the servant of the lord it came to pass that the lord spake unto joshua the son of nun Moses' minister saying this. Now we know this, Moses is dead. Why is Moses dead? Moses sinned. Moses was supposed to take the people into the promised land. But Moses sinned against God. And Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. And God said to Moses, because of your disobedience, because of your anger, you're not going to lead our people, my people, into the promised land. And Moses had to die. God allowed Moses to stand on a mount and look over and see all that God was going to give to the Israelites. But Moses himself was not able to go in. Moses sinned. Joshua now is leading the people. In verse number two, the Bible says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And so we find three stories here. We find three stories, and in each of these stories, we find something tragic has happened. We find in the first story in 2 Samuel chapter number 9, we find that David was hunted by Saul. Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle. David becomes the king, but something tragic happened, and that was this. Saul lost. He lost the kingdom. It was stripped from him, and God gave it now to David. Something tragic happened to bring us to this event. 
We find in second, or Genesis chapter number nine, something tragic happened. Something happened there in the tent with, with uh, Noah. Something happened with one of his sons that caused Noah to be so angry and, and to curse his son and cause his son to be a servant to his other two brethren. Something happened there in verse, uh, Genesis nine as well. Then we find, we find lastly in our story, Joshua chapter one, something happened and that was this, Moses sinned. Moses sinned because Moses sinned. He was not able to lead the people into the promised land like God desired for Moses to do. And so we find a tragic story in each of these stories. I wonder this morning, has anyone in this room, have you ever been hurt by someone? Would you raise your hand? Maybe both hands. Maybe a foot. You're sitting down, both feet. Huh? The reality is, is everybody in this room has been hurt by somebody. Everybody. Everyone in this room, there's been some type of tragedy. There's been some type of problem that's caused you pain in your life. Saul was not supposed to sin. Saul was not supposed to be disobedient. Saul was not supposed to, to, to lead the uh, Israelites to where his selfishness and his pride was in control. Saul was supposed to be the king that was supposed to worship the Lord and lead the Israelites to, to worship the Lord and fear the Lord. But that's not what happened. Something tragic happened. Noah, think about it. Noah was, was the one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord, the one that God said, I want you to build an ark. And all of his family went into this ark and, and the entire world was punished. A flood came and destroyed everything upon this earth, but his family was saved. And then one of his sons does something that causes Noah such grief. Here's Moses was, was, the story of Moses was incredible. He was born at a time when, when the Pharaoh was killing all the babies and, and he was placed in a basket. I saw a sign one time that said Moses wasn't the only basket case. <laughs> we all are, right? <laughs> He's placed in a basket and placed in the, in the Nile and, and, and it just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter takes him. This didn't just so happen. It was all planned by God. God allows Moses to, 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 to be born saved and raised in Pharaoh's house. And, and then God called Moses to deliver the people. And all of the things that we saw Moses do and the plagues that happened, the Red Sea, the, the, the fire by, by day or the, by night, the cloud by day, and, and leading these millions of people out of bondage into the wilderness. Imagine all the things that Moses did. And then Moses gets to the place where it's time to go in and he can't go in because of sin tragic I want you to see how in each of these situations how these things were dealt with I want you to look again in 2nd Samuel chapter number 9 David David had every right and we probably would have defended David if he would have went after Saul's family David was hurt by Saul. David was hunted like a dog. David was lied about. David, his entire life was in disarray. Everything David knew was now changed. David was on the run. David is now no longer a, a welcome in the land of Israel. All the things that David had to go through and to think that David said this, I want, I want Saul's family to sit at my table. 
No, that's true forgiveness, isn't it? You know, so many of us, if we're not careful, we'll take the hurt that has happened in our life and we'll hold on to that hurt and we won't forgive. And instead of holding on to that hurt and it causing us to be bitter and then our life become about how to get even and how to get after those that have wounded us or those that have hurt us, instead of doing that like David did, we ought to follow his example of we ought to then restore those that have hurt us back to their rightful place in our life. And that's difficult. You know what true forgiveness is? True forgiveness is restoring someone back to the rightful place. A lot of times we look at forgiveness as this, I forgive you, but I never want to speak to you again. I forgive you, but you know what? I don't know. I, I, I don't think things can ever be the same. But I want you to see this morning that true Christian forgiveness is restoring someone back to their rightful place as, as they were before the offense happened. That's true forgiveness. That's true forgiveness. That's David saying, I know, Saul, you've wounded me. I know you've hurt me, but I'm going to take and I'm going to restore that relationship so that when David looked down the table of the king's sons, you know who he saw there? He saw a family member of Saul. Why did he want to see that? Because he wanted to be for, have forgiveness in his heart. You know, Christians, I believe this, each and every one of us, we have been hurt by someone in our life, but what we ought to do is we ought to learn true biblical forgiveness. We hold on to things. When we think about that person, or we think about that event, or we think about the events that unfolded, it causes us to get bitter, it causes us to get angry. And instead of acting in a spirit of forgiveness, we behave, we behave with anger, we behave with bitterness, and that's not what God desires from us. God couldn't use David. That's what he had with Saul. He needed something different with David, and God needs something different with us here today. There ought to be a spirit of forgiveness. I see a second story here in Genesis chapter number nine. I find something very interesting. Here, here in, here in these, this story, two of the sons took a blanket, took a sheet. And just again, imagine going backwards into this tent with the intent of putting that sheet over their father, but not wanting, not wanting to see. You know what I imagine here? They're wanting to put this behind them. Do you know what happened? They could not remember, they could not uh, uh, bring up in their mind what was in that tent because they chose to put it behind them and forget it. You know, sometimes they say this, when people get, when people get hysterical or as people get hysterical, they get historical. You ever hear that before? Meaning this, when they get upset, they start bringing everything back from the past. You ever talk to someone like that? And you say, I thought that was gone. I thought it was over with. You, remember, you know, when you, when you first get married, and, and this didn't happen in my marriage, but it happened to a lot of others, I, I understand. But you know, when you first get married, you know, some things happen. I remember, I remember the first fight that my wife and I ever had. Argument. It wasn't a fight. She, she won every one of those fights. But I remember the first, the first event in our life that... Um, I don't know, it happened, I guess it was during the evening time, because she said to me, she said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go stay at my parents. And I said what every husband said. I said, good. 
I said, you want to take my car or yours? <laughs> Matter of fact, take mine because mine needs gas. Go get it while you're out. Now, I didn't know better, but I learned that you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to beg them to stay. Do, am I getting this story right? Is, it, is that how it went? Right? <laughs> you know, and along the way, we've been married of 18 years now, and we've had a couple disagreements in the, every so often, you know, in those last 18 years. And, and sometimes, if we're not careful, what can happen is something that happened so long ago can come up today. And ever so often, we'll bring up that, that little, little fight, and she'll say to me, and you just said, go ahead. <laughs> and I said, I can't go back and change that now. And she said, if you could, would you change it? And I don't want to lie. <laughs> and so I, I say, yes, yes, I would. I'd change it. I would, I would do it differently now if I could, babe. But you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we, we get, when we get hysterical, we get historical, we, we bring things back from the past and we start bringing them up and you think to yourself, I thought that was dealt with, I thought it was over with. Why are we dealing with this again? And David showed us this, that true forgiveness is placing somebody back at the rightful place as before the offense happened. And you know what, what, what I find with Noah? You know what, what I find in forgiveness with them is they put it behind them. They forget it. It's covered, never to be seen. Here we find Noah, what a wonderful example of forgiveness here. His sons go in and, and cover. You know what they didn't, they can't bring up? They couldn't bring up now what they saw because they chose, they chose not to see it. They couldn't bring up what they remember because they chose to cover it. You know, it'd be wonderful if we as Christians learn the true spirit, a true Christian uh, forgiveness to where we restored people to the rightful place. True forgiveness is reconciliation. Not holding on to something for entire life. I was speaking to someone not long ago, someone that's not in our church, but someone that was, I was a friend from a previous, a previous ministry, and he said to me this, he said, I haven't talked to my parents for a lengthy period of time. And I said, wow. I said, how about your kids? He says, they won't talk to my kids either. I said, wow. He said, matter of fact, my mom told my oldest daughter, that's what heaven is for. When we get to heaven, then we'll be able to talk. But here on this earth, this is just the way it's got to be. That's why we look forward to heaven. When I heard that, I thought to myself, I don't think that's true. Oh, heaven is going to be a wonderful place. Heaven's going to be a place of glory. Heaven's going to be a place of worship. Heaven's going to be the time where we lay at the feet of Jesus and worship him. But I believe this, we ought to act like Christians while we're here on this earth. And holding grudges. And holding on to offenses. And being upset. Listen, God didn't give you parents to fight with for the rest of your life. God didn't give you children to ignore the rest of their lives. God gave us parents and God gave us children to love. And how we as Christians behave ought to be different than how the world behaves. How we as Christians deal with our parents ought to be different than how, than how the world deals with their parents. How we as Christians deal with our kids ought to be different than how the world deals with their kids. Why? Because our Father is God and He causes children and desires them to be different. Forgiveness. 
Could you imagine? Could you imagine if every single Christian had a spirit to forgive, put people back in the rightful place that they were before the offense? Could you imagine if every single Christian chose to forget instead of try to remember? You know, I think it ought to be, I think it ought to be so this way. When somebody brings up something from the past, we ought to honestly be able to say, you know what, I don't remember that offense. I've chosen to forget it. You know, sometimes what Satan will do, if you're not careful, if you hold on to offenses, if you hold on to problems, realizing this, every single person has been hurt. Every single person is going to go through hurt. But you don't have to choose to live in that hurt. You don't have to choose to let that hurt make decisions for you. You can live free of that hurt. You can live free of that pain if you'll choose to biblically forgive and forget. Put it behind you. Cover it. Never to speak of it again. Then I find something that's interesting. I'm building all this together here. I find something interesting in Joshua chapter number one. Moses, my servant, is dead, he says in chapter one, verse two. He says to Joshua, now, therefore, arise. Now, this is interesting to me. David, he chose to forgive. Noah's sons chose to forget. And jo- uh, Joshua chose to move forward. Arise, move forward. Do you know how many people are stuck in their life because someone has hurt them? They can't move forward. They're not serving in church because someone has hurt them. They're not moving forward at home because someone has hurt them. They're not moving forward with their family because someone hurt them. They're not moving forward. Their life is at a standstill because somebody has offended them or hurt them. Listen, Joshua, could you imagine Joshua? Joshua is the one, he was the one that they sent spies in and, 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 and Caleb and Joshua came back and said, you know, we can take this promised land. We can do this. Why? Because God said we can. It was Joshua that stuck by Moses when others wanted to stone him. It was Joshua that stuck by his leadership when others doubted his leadership. It was Joshua that did right. It was Joshua that stood by his side. It was Joshua that went in the battle and fought for the Lord. It was Joshua that had the right spirit and the right uh, uh, demeanor and the right attitude. It was Joshua that had that. And then Moses goes and messes it all up, he sins. Joshua could have said, you know what? If leadership is that way, then you know what? I quit. Listen to me. Leadership is going to fail you at times but that's not a reason to quit. Matter of fact, I don't believe there's a reason that anyone could use the, uh, someone else's wrong for you not to do right. You don't find that in the Bible. Joshua had all the excuses. Joshua could have said, you know what, I give up. I've followed this man for 40 years. I've, bought, I've fought battles. I've, I've lifted him up. I've, 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 I've gone in and spied the land. I've done everything you've asked, Moses, and this is how you treat me. But Joshua, you know what the Bible says? Joshua, God said to Joshua, arise, go, move forward. Don't let the offense of someone hold you back. Keep serving the Lord. 
I find with David, David was willing to forgive. I find with Noah's sons that they were willing to forget or cover it or put that behind them. And I find with Joshua that he was willing to move forward for the Lord and not use the failure of someone, not use the failure of a leadership, not use the sin of somebody else as an excuse to stay stagnant and stay, and stay still. But he said, I'm going to go forward and do what God has called me to do. Look at those three. Forgive. Put it behind you. Move forward. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1, 14 says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1 9 says this if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 2 12 says this I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know what I find? I find Jesus uses that example we find of him in the New Testament. Jesus forgives sins, he forgives. If there's a sinner in this room, guess what? There's a Savior that's going to forgive you of your sin. And Jesus not only forgives you, he forgets about them. Listen, I love these verses. The Bible says this in Psalm 103, 12. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Listen to me, you can go north, and if you go north, eventually you're going to be going south. You can go south, and eventually you're going to be going north. But if you start out west, you're never going to go east. You're always going to go west. If you go east, you're never going to go west. You're always going to go east. And that's what the Lord has done with your sin. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west what does that mean never to bring them up again never to meet you again he's forgotten about them jeremiah 31 34 says this for i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sin no more hebrews 5 12 says this for i will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will i remember no more all throughout the bible what you find again in hebrews 10 17 he says in their sins and iniquities will i remember no more you know what we have a god we have a god that says this i'm going to forgive you you've sinned but i want to restore you back to your rightful place there was a time that god created man and man fellowship with god in the garden of eden they communed and the cool the day they fellowship they spoke but sin entered into the world and sin separated man from God and because of that sin man could not be in the presence of God but God it was not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance God sent his son Jesus Christ for what reason to forgive us of our sins for what reason so when God sees us he doesn't see our sins he sees us in Jesus Christ God sent his son be the payment for our sin and God said that that is sufficient man cannot redeem himself man cannot do anything to make himself good man cannot live a life that's pleasing the Lord the only way that man can be found in God's favor is if man is found in Jesus Christ and God no longer sees your sin he sees Jesus Christ he's forgotten about what you've done he forgives you God not only forgives you, God forgets. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You know what the exciting thing is this? It doesn't end there. David 
restored Saul's grandson. Forgiveness. Noah's two sons went backwards and covered their father's nakedness and forgot, put it behind them, never to speak about it again. Joshua moved forward. God said, arise and go into this land and possess that land. And Joshua did exactly what God said. He said, I'm going to go into that promised land. I'm not going to let the sin of some man keep me from going and doing what God desires me to do. You know what I find with Jesus? Jesus was sent in this world to forgive us of our sin. God takes her sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west, never to remember it again. And Jesus said this, I go prepare a place for you. Think about this. In John chapter number 14, he's there with his disciples. He says this, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Listen, not only are my sins forgiven, not only has God forgotten, Jesus went and is preparing a place for me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? No matter what I'm going through on this earth, no matter what I'm dealing with on, on this earth, I have a home in heaven because of Jesus Christ. No matter who's hurting here on this earth, I have a home in heaven because of Jesus Christ. I didn't find Jesus saying, uh, 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 you know what, those, those human beings, God, they've, they've hurt us, they've sinned against us. I'm not going and doing what you've asked me to do. No, he willingly went to the cross. He willingly gave his life. Why? So you and I could re be, be redeemed back to God. And then he went from there and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I always think about this. My wife loves deaf company. The only problem with company coming over, it takes her weeks to prepare. Maybe not weeks. I'm gonna be, we're gonna have one of those fights this afternoon. I could just see it on her face. When she does one of these, I know I'm in trouble. What I should say is she likes everything to be perfect. So when her parents are coming, two, three days before her parents come, everything's perfect. We're not allowed to walk on the carpet for two days. <laughs> we have one of those vacuumers in our house that the lines in the carpet. Anybody else like that? You know my pain. You know my pain. Lines are in the carpet. Don't you dare mess up those carpet lines. But babe, they're not coming for three days and I have to go through that room. Jump. <laughs> jump. I don't look like it, but I can jump 15 feet. She's trained me. I have no idea what that has to do with anything. Oh, prepare. Whenever we have somebody come over, my wife likes to prepare for them. She likes to get things ready. She'll light little candles around. She'll take out the, the, best, the best china made in Mexico. She'll take out the best. We'll make sure the forks all match. You know, it's us. We just take out paper plates and, you know, plastic. We don't even use plastic. Sometimes we just use our hands. But when guests come over, when guests come over, she's in a different mode. This is the way it is. She wants everything to be just right. Why? Because someone important is coming to the house. 
She takes the time to prepare. When they come, she wants everything to be just right. Listen, that's exactly what Jesus is doing for us. He's gone back and he's preparing a place for you and for me. We've sinned. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve a home in heaven. But I get one because God chooses to forgive, because God chooses to forget my sin, and Jesus has gone to prepare a place for those that have trusted him. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I know this, if you're human, you've been hurt. And Christian, I can tell you this, it's not worth holding on to that hurt and that pain. They say it's like drinking poison, hoping the person you're mad at gets sick. That's bitterness. God didn't save you so that you can be bitter. God didn't save you so that you can live in anger. God didn't save you so that you can live in hurt. God saved you so that you can be his ambassador and represent his kingdom here upon this earth. I believe each and every one of us learn, need to learn forgiveness. Forgiveness is this, somebody has wronged me, but to truly forgive them, I'm going to set them back in the rightful place that they're in before the offense. I'm going to choose to forget and not bring it back up every time I get angry. I'm going to choose to forget and cover that thing and, and, and look the other way. Uh, but you don't know what happened. I don't need to know what happened. All I need to know is that it's forgiven. And move forward. There's some today somebody's hurt you and you've been stuck. It's time for you to get up today and move forward and do something for God. Somebody in leadership has failed you. A parent has failed you. Somebody's hurt you that's not supposed to hurt you. Somebody, somebody's wronged you and they're not supposed to wrong you. Move forward. Don't stand idle. You're not accountable for that person's sins. You're accountable for your life. And let God do something great with your life. Don't stand idle still. Jesus forgave you. God's forgotten your sin. And Jesus goes to prepare a place for you. Forgive, forget, and move forward with your life.